chapter twelve of the pleasures of ignorance this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. recording by kathleen the pleasures of ignorance by robert lind chapter twelve june there is always a cuckoo that stays out later than the other cuckoos two goldfinches came and sang in the catalpaw tree in the garden it is difficult to decide with which sentence to begin there are so many pleasures the goldfinches have not come back again however they and the faint blue flowers of the catalpaw turned a sinister growth for an interval into a small paradise of colour and song then the flowers fell they had no more life than snow in may coming in as they did at the end of years of barrenness they astonished one like the blossoming of the rose of sharon but now the bough is dark and sinister and melancholy again sparrows squabble over their love affairs in it the cuckoo that stays out later than the other cuckoos is the triumphant survivor not that there is much to be said even for him as a model of continuance his note will soon change he will become hoarse and only half articulate he will cease to be the flying echo of the mystery of skies and wood at dawn and in the still evening the disreputable bat whose little wings flutter half visibly like waves of heat rising above a stove will outlast him there is no getting beyond the old image of things in general as a stream that disappears the flowers and the birds come in tides that sweep over the world and in a moment are lost like a broken wave the lilacs fill with purple laburnum followed and in a few days all the gold ebbed and nothing was left but a drift of withered blossoms on the ground then came the acacia flowers white as the morning among the cool green plumage of the tree and now they too have been turned into dirtiness and deserted foam and in the hedges change has been as swift as merciless change so imperceptible in what it is doing so manifest in what it has done the white blossoms of the sloe gave place to the foam of the hawthorn and the flat clusters of the wayfaring tree now in its turn has come the flood of the elder flowers a flood of commonness and june on the roads would hardly be beautiful were it not for the roses that settle delicate and fleeting as butterflies on the long and crooked briars perhaps one has not the right to say of any flower or any bird that it is not beautiful even elder flowers seen at a distance can give cheerfulness to a roadside but if we have to pick and choose among flowers there are many who will give the lowest prize to the flowers that have been compared to umbrellas elder flowers cow's parsley hemlock and the rest these are the plebeians of the hedges and ditches they have the air of something useful one would imagine they were intended to be cooked and eaten in cheap restaurants we experience no lifting of the heart at the sight of them we should be surprised to hear the abrupt ecstasy of a wren issuing from among their leaves and yet it is hardly a week since walking in a sussex lane i saw a long procession of cow's parsley on the top of a high bank silhouetted against the twilight sky there seemed never to have been more exquisite flowers they had captured the silver of evening as in a net there are many flowers that seem ugly to an indifferent eye 
even the red valerian that sprouts so boldly in bushes of coral from the top of the wall is regarded by some people as a weed and an impudent intruder for myself i love the spectacle of stone walls breaking out into flower with red valerian and ivy-leaved toad flax the country people have greeted these flowers with comic and friendly names valerian they call drunken sailor and the ivy-leaved toad flax that blossoms in a thousand tiny blue butterflies from the stones has so prolific it is been given the nickname of mother of thousands i doubt however whether the country people have as many fanciful names for the flowers as they are represented as having in the books when mr w h hudson first came on winter heliotrope in cornwall and was attracted by its meadow-sweet smell at a season when there were few other flowers he was told by a countryman that it was called simply weed countrymen if they are asked the same of a flower will often say that they do not know but that they call it so-and-so a small boy who was gathering green stuffs for his rabbits came up and walked beside me the other day and on being shown some goose-grass and asked what name he knew it by said i don't know its name we call it cleavers in my childhood i never heard it called by any other name than robin run the hedge and under that name alone am i attracted by it cleavers is too reminiscent of a butcher's yard or of some dull tool goosegrass at least fills the imagination with the picture of a bird but robin run the hedge is better for it is an image of wild adventure it will be a pity if the tradition of picturesque names for flowers is allowed to die the kidney vetch a long yellow claw of a flower that looks withered even at birth may not deserve a prettier name but at least it is possible to give it an ugly name with more interesting associations staunch is an older name that reminds us that the flower was a few generations ago used to staunch wounds the other name it is suggested had its origin in the supposed excellence of the plant in curing diseases of the kidney but there seem to be no grounds for believing this there are unfortunately some beautiful flowers for which no beautiful or even expressive name has ever been invented who is there who coming on the blue scabious on a hill near the sea is not conscious of the gross failure of the human race in never having found anything but this name out of a dustbin for one of the most charming of flowers matthew arnold appalled by some of the names of human beings that still flourished in the days of victoria and may for all i know be flourishing to-day once hoped to turn us into hellenists by declaring that there was no rag on the illusus was there no scabious on the illusus either i wonder were i a flower of the field i should prefer to be called nosebleed or sow thistle on the whole however the plants have little to complain of in the matter of names the milkwort that has been scattering its fine delicate colors among the short grasses of the bare hills deserves its beautiful name grace of god we think of it as the sprigging of a divine mantle cast over the june world the greater plantain 
that after the recent rain has come out on the hills with a ruff of purple feathers round its brown cone neither deserves nor possesses a name connoting sacredness it is interesting mainly as a plant that somehow became associated with the voyages and travels of englishmen and is known in america as englishman's foot because wherever the englishman goes the plant follows him the riot of the spring flowers is already passing however as we walk along the path through the corn we find the wild mustard that a few weeks ago made a steep field blaze like a precinct of the sun already withering into a mass of green pods and the hay in the valley has been cut down with all its crimson clover the smell of the tossed hay as we pass sends back the memory into an older world how is it that sweet smells do not please us so much for what they are as for the things of which they remind us at the smell of hay newly stacked we cease to be our present age we are in a world as distant as that of theocritus there is no ambition in it no tears or taxes no men and women pretending nothing that is not happy every scent is sweet every sound is a laugh or a bird song every man and woman and animal we behold is more interesting than if they had come out of a noah's ark smell has been described as the most sensual of the senses it may be so but it is surely also the sense that is most closely related to the memory old landscapes old happinesses old gardens old people come to life again at times almost unbearably so with the smell of wallflower or hay or the sea it may be however that this is not a universal experience some of us no doubt live more in our memories than others it is our doom even we however are sensualists of the open air and the spectacle of the wind foaming among the leaves of the oak and elm can easily make us forget all but the present the blue hills in the distance when rain is about the gray arras of wet that advances over the plain the white throat that sings or rather scolds above the hedge as he dances on the wing the tree pipit or is it another bird that sinks down to the juniper tip through a honey of music a rough sea seen in the distance half shine half scowl any of these things may easily cut us off from history and from hope and immure us in the present hour or may they or do these things too not leave us homesick discontented gloomy gloomy if it is only because we are not nearly so gloomy as we ought to be End of chapter twelve